the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Larry Weedykind. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosher. I have a featured guest, my sidekick, Donnie. He's Hello, he's hello. Here. But we have an even better guest. Sorry, Donnie. We have an even better guest in the studio today. Than your lordship? <laughs> no. Uh, her name is Brianna. Welcome, Brianna. Uh, Thank you. Brianna, Brianna. 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 She, I'm excited that she's here because she's a literal Matthews Hope detox client success story. And so we're going to hear her story of recovery today and talk about that journey and what it looks like and hopefully bring some inspiration to our listeners so that they know that recovery is absolutely possible. So yep. welcome to the show today. Thank you. Awesome. So let's dive right in. Uh, you are like me and Donnie in the sense that we're recovered drug addicts or alcoholics, right? Right. Well. Um, what? I'm just an alcoholic. I want to make that clear. Right. <laughs> I didn't do drugs. They're illegal. It's the same illness. Same illness. Oh. And Alcohol's not a drug. Uh, Alcohol's uh, definitely a drug. Just a legal one. The cocaine was, too. I yeah. just like to say he, that. He just lies. Yeah. He, he just wants to think he's not as bad as me. Yeah. <laughs> it's his ego coming back, but whatever. Um, so... I didn't start off as a drug addict or alcoholic. Uh, did you? Like, how did this begin? How did you first fall into any sort of substance abuse? What was the first thing that you did? Well, first, like, what's what? your jam? What's your Jimmy Jam? Yeah, Drugs, what's your jam? Alcohol? Alcohol is the one that took me down, I guess. Same. But, uh, so then we're better than Heather. We can, <laughs> we can agree with that. We can agree with that. I mean, I've dabbled in a little bit of everything, right. you know, but it... The alcohol really took me because it was legal yeah. and, uh, everywhere, socially acceptable, you know, and not as taboo. Right. And then but, a little trick, like if you need to leave the bar and you're too drunk, little cocaine, and I can drive home. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Party a little longer. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so that's. So, yeah. so how old were you when you had your first drink? Uh, probably tasted when I was a child, but I didn't really. You know, I was always kind of anti-alcohol because my parents drank okay. they, they weren't and they aren't um alcoholics like me right or, or us you know but um probably the first i started when i was in high school okay. parties weed yep. and alcohol yeah back and then, when it was fun yeah yeah parties but i you know looking back i think i always went a little more than everybody else me you too know? you know Just, mm-hmm. uh i didn't quite have that off button that was Mm-mm. like hey i'm good i need to stop it was like to oblivion i always had yeah. friends that could go to the keggers and they could get to that like that imaginary buzz line and then just hold a buzz for hours i always shot past it pretty much immediately right just mm-hmm. always did a little too much and so yeah. what's important about that symptom that we have in common is because that's you know half the problem of chronic alcoholics mm-hmm. uh, we call it the physical allergy mm-hmm. that when i put a substance in my body that i'm quote allergic to i have this abnormal reaction mm-hmm. but the abnormal reaction is the craving mm-hmm. this this weird phenomenon where i just believe i need more i'm almost good i got to keep going right so did you experience that phenomenon of craving in high school right away with with your partying and drinking i think so just when i was drinking i definitely at that time didn't crave it 
you know, the next day right. or the next day, you know, just even while for you're doing drug, it. Yeah, just while I was doing it. And then, you know, then I started with the other drugs in college and just, you know, partied a lot and yeah. hung out with friends, went out, clubs, bar, uh, concerts. Yeah. And it was. It's a good time. It was so, I mean, it, it was everybody did it. Yeah. I, everybody yeah. I hung out with anyway. <laughs> it starts out as such a normal, mm-hmm. just a normal thing. Like, cool, Friday, going to get some drinks, mm-hmm. going to go get messed up tonight. Saturday, the mm-hmm. same thing. Mm-hmm. Sunday, chill a little bit. Maybe hair of the dog sometimes, mm-hmm. but. Maybe mm-hmm. what the dog? Hair of the dog. They call it the hair of the dog that bit you. I have no idea what we're talking about now. Really? Well, that's because you're a you're a. You're I grew a up in Oklahoma. Addict, so, um, just... Hair of the dog is the next day when you have a really bad hangover. You take a shot or a drink, and it oh, sort see, of I've eases of the hangover. Okay, yeah. I didn't know there was a the phrase hair of the for dog. it. Yeah. yeah. I just don't understand what it has to do with the poor dog. (laughs) Why is he involved at all? Well, I don't know, but he bit me. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So uh, throughout high school and college, Mm -hmm. uh, it was a good time. Did you Mm -hmm. have any consequences or problems um, from your drinking during that chunk of time? Not in that time. I mean, um, no, no, no. It was just good times. It was just good times. Yeah. Yeah, I did get a DWI when I was 21. Okay. And so I, I, I graduated college kind of quickly, so it was right after college. Okay. Now, and you don't have to tell us. Give us a range. Mm-hmm. Around what range did you get sober? Age range. Age range. Sorry, age range. Right now, what, 40? 40, 40. 41. Yeah. You know? See, that is such, we see this. We see All this the in the recovery community a lot. Mm-hmm. Us drunks can go on a lot longer than a drug addict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get sober until I was 41. Mm-hmm. Um, the beauty of that is that I think because we got sober in that age period, um, I don't know, did you try to s- stop drinking? Yes. Prior to going to a detox? and Yeah, many times. I went to a treatment uh, place out of state actually mm-hmm. and uh stayed there for a few weeks and you know I, I they didn't really have any after care okay uh follow-up stuff which is really not um as important but i just think that whenever you're not ready to quit you're not ready to quit or you True. just didn't find what you needed to help you quit and so how old so. were you when you went to the treatment center the first time in my 30s. In your 30s. Okay. Yeah, so DWI 30s. at 21, oh. but you don't end up in treatment till in your 30s. I, you know, I went from in my 20s and 30s being a, going from a casual drinker, didn't drink at all for a little while, wow. mm-hmm. drank really heavy, you know, started mm. bartending. Trying that to really, manage yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So that, you know, that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. so in ever most people I hung out with drink so I mean my family and friends right so I find that like water seeks its own level like whatever degree of partying or or drugs or drinking I was doing that seems to be the kind of people I just happen to hang around yes and and so the other thing too that I I was trying to get to is that I'm 41 Mm -hmm. you know I got sober 41 you got sober around 40 Mm -hmm. and the thing is is that you couldn't have convinced me before then to get sober, no matter what you said, no matter what you, you did. Because you didn't think you had a problem with alcohol. I had to be convinced on my own. Is that mm-hmm. kind of the way you feel like you finally hit a point where you were convinced? Yes. Yes. <laughs> me too. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio.
You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. In studio, we have my husband, Donnie, and... Your lordship. Wow. And uh, a Matthew's Help Detox success story, past client, Brianna. Welcome, guys. So before the break, we were talking about... Donnie was like 73 when he got sober. Listen. And then, Brianna, you were... What, how old did you say? 40, 41. Mm-hmm. And I was 34, mm-hmm. but I was a drug addict, and it, I was only on it for like four and a half years, so it really... And we sort of touched on that, right? That it seems to be that way. The drug addicts can only make it so long, yeah. but drunks can go for a long, long time. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so you went to treatment uh, the first time in your 30s, you said. Mm-hmm. How many times did you go to treatment total? Really just that once. I mean, I had tried to do it on my own, maybe t- talk to therapists, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Ooh, um, yeah. Tell I, us tell us some ways that you tried to stop drinking that didn't work. Like therapists. <laughs> cold turkey on my own, tapering off, mm-hmm. um, self-help books. Yep. Did you ever replace? So I used to drink so heavy mm-hmm. that, in order, and I, did, I would have told you I wasn't an alcoholic because I could do this. I would drink so heavy that I would put the liquor down for about a month, month mm-hmm. and a half to dry my body out. Mm-hmm. But I'm smoking enough weed to knock down an elephant on my way out the door in the morning, right? But I would have told you I'm not an alcoholic because I could put it down for a month and a half. It's not a big deal. So I would kind of replace things. Mm-hmm. I replace things with relationships. I would yeah. focus on like the next guy or, mm-hmm. or whatever the next goal or the next job thing or the next money thing. Mm-hmm. And who would have known it worked? Who would have known? Like, she's sober now because she found me. <laughs> That's not delusional uh, at all. No. It's... But yeah, you definitely replace things. You even replace the type of alcohol, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a vodka whiskey person, but you know, yeah. but wine too. Oh, wine's not that bad. Well, maybe so if you yep. drink it. And our literature, <laughs> our literature talks about that. You'll uh, replace scotch yeah. with brandy mm-hmm. or only drink on the weekends or never drink at home. I was every con- trick. I've tried it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was, thought it was. Thought I was, it was convinced trick. that it was Crown Royal's fault. Like Crown mm-hmm. Royal, like there's too much sugar in it. Maybe and my my body's metabolizing. Yeah. It. That's why I'm blacking out. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's, it's vodka cranberry is probably better. Yeah, that's less calories. Well, uh-huh. then vodka cranberry tasted so good, and I started blacking out again. I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I got a new plan. I'm gonna do a shot of tequila because mm-hmm. I love tequila with a glass of water in between each shot. Oh, how did that Ooh. work? I got one glass of water in, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but I think that that's important to talk about. I know we're like joking and laughing about it, but it's actually like painful years of you believing that these ideas are going to work. I mean, it, to the point where multiple times you're sick and you're you're you know coming out of your skin crawling yep because right? mm-hmm. of your your you know detoxing or something yeah. and then you never remember it whenever it's time to take another drink you're like and oh you know it's like completely out of your mind and so that's <laughs> the leading to the next question so the second half of the problem of chronic alcoholism is the insane thinking that precedes the first drink. Mm-hmm. Right, I, like when you have that stack of evidence sitting yeah. beside you that's three foot tall uh, pieces of paper on why I shouldn't drink. Mm-hmm. Yet that evidence is just pushed aside for this mm-hmm. idea that oh, it's just tonight or it's just one glass, you right. know, but you're going to go b- find the biggest glass in your house and pour the whole <laughs> bottle of wine in it because you're right. just telling yourself it's just one glass. Right, right. Yeah. And so that's the insane thinking. Like, mm-hmm. 
that's the crux of the problem. It's that I don't have a mental defense mm-hmm. to say no to just one 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Right, right. There's this insane idea that occurs and it justifies or rationalizes one more drink, one more drug, one more pill, one more whatever. Mm-hmm. But then I'm allergic when I put it in. Right. And I go on that spree again. And that's right. I mean, there were times whenever you, I, I anyway, could have, you know, a few. Right. But it's very progressive, and then you never can predict whenever you can't. You, you can't, can't predict control it. it. Well, then it gets late, like late mm-hmm. in our thirties, mm-hmm. and there may have been time in our early thirties when we could control it, right? Right, right. But that's when my brain goes. Now I'm thirty-nine, and every time I'm like faced with a dilemma, I'm like, oh, I remember that time that I totally controlled. I can do it again. But that was like when I was thirty-one. Right, right. right? But mm-hmm. I always go back to that success. You want to hang night. your hat on that memory. I remember yeah. I have a similar experience when I was in sober living. I was not going to stay sober at this point. I did not know that. But I'd been kicked out of multiple sober houses. Uh, and I was back in sober living. And I was determined to stay sober because I really wanted it this time. I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so I'm determined to write this new four-step. And my drug dealer in town hits me up and texts me. Mm. And he was like, hey, you want to come hang out? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I, I really want to be sober. I, 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 I'm going to stay here. I'm going to write my four step. I, I need you to leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And he said, you don't even have to come hang out with me. I'll just put it in your mailbox. I'll drive by your sober oh. house and I'll put it in your mailbox. Dang. And I told him no. Mm-hmm. You know, and no. here's the delusional thing that occurred when that happened. I went around all night patting myself on the back, telling everybody how strong I was that I must not have the same illness y'all have because I'm able to say, no, I must not have this mental obsession. Mm-hmm. Four days later, I'm loaded with him in his car. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you say sometimes, sometimes I don't have this mental defense to say no, and then sometimes I do, and you cannot predict when that will be. And isn't yeah. it funny how we're tempted? So when I got sober, 30 days after I got sober, mm-hmm. I get a text from my dealer uh, no, it was just weed, guys. I'm not a real drug addict. Oh, yeah. Like you, okay? it was just... Child's play. <laughs> but I get a text with like a menu of stuff. Yeah. Like I got this kind of weed and this kind of weed. And it's like, <laughs> oh, no. And so I text him back. And I'm like, same thing. I really want to be sober. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm lucky that he respected me. But it's almost like the dark side, right? Tempting Spiritual you to come warfare. back. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And so that's the peculiar mental twist that's the nature of chronic alcoholism. And so you had enough experiences personally trying to stay sober, yet failing to stay sober. Mm-hmm. And then you, at some point, what what occurred where you realized maybe I should try treatment again? Because I honestly just knew I could not control it. I mean, mm-hmm. I just couldn't. You were finally convinced. Yeah, I just couldn't, even though I was you know, I drank the night before I went into detox. I t- had taken, um, they were prescribing Clonopin at the time, uh-huh. which, and, you know, whenever. Those uh, are good by the handful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah evidently. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, w- what's sad is it didn't convince me like, you know, my, ki- my children didn't convince me. Mm. My family didn't convince me. Yeah. Even though I could say that that was part of it, mm-hmm. it was finally just something that just clicked. clicked. Yeah, Same with me. And isn't it weird that it's never the drugs or the alcohol? So I got pulled over and arrested when I was 38 for possession and unlawful carry of a firearm. Mm-hmm. Evidently, cops, I, I didn't know this. 
I'm going to inform the public. Mm-hmm. Don't like it when you have drugs and a handgun on you. <laughs> no. But uh, like who, weed who too? They count weed yeah. as a drug? Yeah, wow. it's weird. Um, so, yeah, I got arrested and it was everything. The reasoning was everything except for the fact that I was doing what I was doing. It was, I shouldn't have gone down that road. They pulled uh, you over unfairly, I bet. Right. They targeted me, right? <laughs> as a middle class white guy from the suburbs, they knew, right? They targeted me. Like yeah. all these reasons except you for victim. that I was doing the stuff I was doing. Right. And that night, I'm lucky I got the charges I got because really I should have gotten a DWI. But I think that almost every drug addict or alcoholic can look back, once they get sober, they can look back in hindsight and see a period of time where they did blame outside things for Mm -hmm. their illness. Mm -hmm. If the guy would just change, if the husband would just earn more money, if the kids would just stop being annoying, Mm -hmm. you know, did you experience some of that stuff? Where you blamed other people? I mean, yes. I mean, you can definitely, my, the, my two youngest uh, dad, I blamed him a lot. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, in all honesty, it doesn't matter. You it know. Didn't. I mean, did it take the step work for you to realize that it wasn't him, that it was you? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of looking inward. Yeah, yeah. It, well, and look which into is that not in fun. That's I would fun. rather point the finger at Heather all day yeah. long than even look in a mirror for three seconds. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so. What I want to talk about is you were desperate and you were, I need help. I cannot do this on my own. Right. And so you made a very important life-altering decision to look up a detox. Mm-hmm. How did you find Matthew's Hope? I mean, it, I, I looked through my insurance and, okay. and called a few facilities and um, Matthew's Hope is, you know, I'm a Houston local, okay. so it H-town. was H-town. Yeah. <laughs> so it was here, and then it was a program that was not a 30 to 60 day, not a th- program yeah, exactly. So it was shorter, but it was got what I it had what I thought what I needed as Perfect. far as yeah. Uh, let's elaborate on that when we come right back from this break. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier. In studio is a Matthews Hope detox success story, Brianna, and yeah. my husband, Donnie. Your featured guest. Featured guest. He insists <laughs> that I call him that. That's right. Uh, so we're talking about Brianna's recovery journey. And so before the break, she said that she realized that she was desperate. She could not do it on her own. And she really wanted help. And so and it was a decision between like what, like Netflix and chill. Like, <laughs> so it's probably a detox. small decision, right? Not a big deal. And so you said you're local to Houston. You right. found us. You called and you chose our program. Why? What were some reasons other than just being local? A lot of it was the length of the program that they said. Was right. The, you know, being 10 to 14 days is what they told me. Yeah. And um, and I, I just because of personal reasons, I and I didn't want to commit or I didn't think I would stay in particular for a longer program. Right. You have kids at home. I have kids at home. I work full time. Yeah. Yep. You have responsibilities. So, and I think that a lot of people consider that, you know, when they don't seek help. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't go away somewhere to 30 days or 45 right. days or 60 right. days. And that's why I love the detox that that we provide. It's like a launching pad because mm-hmm. some other detoxes are usually that five day model or so. Mm-hmm. And what we find is it's not effective. It doesn't give you enough time to really get some sort of uh, foundation for recovery. Right. 
you're just drying out Mm -hmm. and then you get kicked out the door. Right. And so the fact that we're a 10 to 14 day program makes us really unique. And a medical, a medical medical detox. detox. That way, because that's, you know, kicking alcohol. People don't, a lot of people don't know this, Mm -hmm. that alcohol is one of the two substances that you can detox off of and, and die. die right it's right dangerous. The is, and the mm-hmm. other is benzos mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. being able to go in somewhere for 10 to 14 days and be physically separated in a safe way yeah it's really really important because we mm-hmm. do do a safe medical detox that makes yes. you uh comfortable ish you know we don't want yeah. <laughs> i mean it is medical and they give you the appropriate yep. medical treatment so were you shaking you know? and baking going in were you dt in you get real were drunk you? before you came yeah, well, you know, like I, I said, do. I was, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yes, but I, I mean, I was, I, it wasn't as bad as actually I, as it has been whenever I've stopped before, you know, yeah. right. but I was, mm-hmm. you know, nervous, shaky, sweaty, but not. Right. You know, where I couldn't pick anything up or anything. Right, but, right, mm-hmm. right. So we get you there, we get you settled in. Uh, mm-hmm. And what makes our program unique is a couple things. We kind of pack a 30-day residential program mm-hmm. into the 10 to 14-day detox that we mm-hmm. do. And so within a couple of days, you're not just sleeping all day. You're up and you're being asked mm-hmm. to attend groups. Yeah? Right, right, <laughs> right. And it's all different types. I mean, there's a just a... General counseling, like mm-hmm. for your mental health and everything, and then um, the big book, which I appreciated, yep. and then um, the uh, you even had the option for some spiritual stuff. They yep. had a church in the facility. I mean, oh, that's if you, cool. If yep. you if you choose to do that, I mean, nobody you pushes it. Mass church, want to get your Jesus chaplain. on? Yeah, mm-hmm. if you no, want to do that. Yeah, and then um, and then the uh, the whatever it's called, IASIS, the IASIS, and. And so and that's the medical part. Now, that's sort of, did you say ISIS? There's ISIS training in the hospital. <laughs> There's not ISIS training in the hospital. There's IASIS technology. It's a microcurrent neurofeedback that our detox specifically oh. offers. So it's because we're abstinence based, right? Okay, we don't so it's want IASIS. IASIS. If okay. any of our listeners are curious, they can go to IASIS Tech. That's I A S I S T E C H dot com and find out a lot more about the IASIS technology. But because we're abstinence-based and because we're only 10 days, we want to make sure that we're doing everything that we can do mm-hmm. to set you up for success upon discharge. Mm-hmm. Like you were going home, you're going to work, you need to go to your family. Mm-hmm. And so we need to shorten the convalescence period. Because mm-hmm. someone who's just coming off the streets, detoxing off opiates or alcohol, they're really not going to be able to be receptive to... Oh, your brain is worn out, yes. you're in a fog. Mm-hmm. You're not sleeping, you have night sweats and restless legs. The last thing mm-hmm. you wanted to go do on day three or four or five is a group. Right, But it's different at Matthew's Hope because the IASIS actually bathes your brain in energy that mm-hmm. produces endorphins naturally without the use of chemicals. So you mm-hmm. feel a little bit better sooner oh, than you yeah. normally would. Yeah. Donnie loves to go do IASIS uh. <laughs> and he's nine years sober almost. So yeah, I love some it. sound light therapy as well. Biosound. So you mm-hmm. did that too? Mm-hmm. And what was your experience with uh, the IASIS and the biosound? Did you do the IASIS every day? Yes. So okay. You, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you got ISIS every day in the hospital. You had some. Was it Brittany? Yes. I love her. She's awesome. She's awesome. That's she who Donnie goes to. She's so nice. Yeah. 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 And in fact, I can give our audience Brittany's number in two seconds. She's uh, one of those people that just is a, a natural caretaker. Yeah. Like she just oozes it. I love it. She's a sweetheart. And so anyone that's interested mm-hmm. in our outpatient clinic and visiting. Are uh, you going to give the right number this time? Or? I'm going to try. I'm <laughs> okay. going to give the number that's in my phone. Um, Somebody <laughs> over there is going, I'm not Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can reach out to Brittany and schedule your IASIS assessment. It's 
832-397-9179. Again, 832-397-9179. And she can answer all your questions about ASIS. You do not have to be in our detox or mm-hmm. newly sober to go at all. In fact, you don't even have to be a drug addict or an alcoholic to go experience mm-hmm. ISIS. Uh, people do it for anxiety, for depression, for PTSD, for OCD, tra- OCD traumatic mm-hmm. brain injury. In fact, last night, my husband and my 15-year-old son were at Brittany's office getting IASIS together. Oh. Yeah. yeah. He went into a coma, I think. No, he did not. He, he was chill. <laughs> Probably the most chill I've ever seen him. Yep. So let me ask you something. Uh-huh. Do you remember, like, your first IASIS treatments? Do you remember that at all? I remember, I remember it. I mean, I think, if anything, it was just, just being still for a minute Mm -hmm. and then just having something on my head you know and just kind of like calm and like you feel like this calm just sort of settled yeah it was a little bit calm and then you know and they i don't know what people do but i try to pray and meditate some and i think Mm -hmm. maybe it was but i've always had trouble meditating in the past because my you know crazy brain but um (laughs) You know, I'm not saying that IASIS or the sound therapy helped me meditate, but I think it was a good, you know, time to practice sitting still Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of thinking a little bit. It's a very Zen room. It's a very Mm -hmm. Zen experience. Even for me, like I have a hard time sitting still and and Mm -hmm. doing it. And and that's what I really appreciate when I go get IASIS. It helps me pause and just totally calm my central nervous system. Mm -hmm. Now, are you um, are you? reactive okay so i want to ask you this because i i want to gauge sort of how you and i are Mm -hmm. so i react to everything and what i mean by that is if i walk outside and the sun is shining and i don't have sunglasses my eyes start watering oh yeah if i eat in certain kind of foods it can literally change my demeanor my emotions like Mm -hmm. i'm reactive to everything Mm -hmm. very he doesn't sleep well he doesn't go to sleep he doesn't stay asleep he can't eat carbs he can't eat sugar he can't have light he can't have sound he's very fragile (laughs) (laughs) sensitive he's very sensitive (laughs) do you find you're that way or i mean in some ways not really with food and i do sleep Okay. Yeah. So I'm hardy. I'm on the opposite end of the scale, the mm-hmm. spectrum, uh, mm-hmm. where most Which of is, it's code for soulless. No, There's I'm not no soulless. Soul. Uh, I just don't have any of those reactivities, really? right? And so people that have more of those reactivities respond much more dramatically to ISIS. Uh. And people that aren't that sensitive or fragile, like my poor husband here. I used to think that was a bad thing. She would call me fragile, uh, fragile and I would be or like, sensitive. you better just shut your mouth. <laughs> but now I'm like, I see it as a bonus. It's because almost like he's in, in, in tune or, yes yeah. yes he's very in tune to the energy of the universe mm-hmm. in all ways and i'm just not um mm-hmm. and i don't know but so back to her detox experience donnie oh sorry <laughs> i just wanted to talk about isis but one thing i wanted to ask you about because mm-hmm. if you're okay sharing it something uh traumatic happened mm-hmm. in your family while you were in treatment right my uh, father passed away mm-hmm. and you know it wasn't sudden per se but I definitely wasn't expecting it right right and you know a that definitely would have been something I drank very heavily over and or gone off the wall or not been able to handle at in the state of mind that I was in right and um but I chose to stay and then everybody was there was really supportive without being pushy right or, or, or um aggressive or you know too you know, just it didn't overwhelm me with their. They weren't super authoritative, over right? It. Right, but supportive, and I mean, 
I think that God happens, you know, steps in at the right reason. And maybe I was there for a reason to get the help and not have the opportunity to go drink heavily or do something stupid. You think that would have pushed you had you not been in detox at the time? Definitely would have drank. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Yeah. So, and you know, and that's a hard decision because a lot of people, when they're in treatment, some things like that come up, and mm-hmm. a lot of people do leave uh, over right. those things, which we are always trying to be mindful of. If that person feels that that's the right decision mm-hmm. for them and they need to go be with their family, you know, we want yeah. to try to support that. But well, at the yeah. same time, if you can't, if you don't have the power to manage any sobriety, are you really going to be able to show up and be there? Right. But it's also like a good, like, what a great place to, to, have that happen where you have counseling. Mm-hmm. You have, I think you're right. I think you were meant to be there. You were there for a reason. Right. At right. that moment. In the fu- you know, for me, the funeral wasn't going to be in two days. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that may have swayed my decision, but I, I know my father would have been happy that I stayed. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know that it was the very much the right decision. Right. Yeah. And so that's why I wanted you to share that. It's mm-hmm. a very real life experience mm-hmm. and you have stayed sober through that, right? And, and it shows you had a real desire to be sober. Right. Yep. Right. What an amazing thing. All right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. With your host, Donnie. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> He's always got the jokes. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier. In the studio with me today is my uh, sidekick, Donnie. And <laughs> <laughs> he wants me to call him other things. I want to call him other things, but I'll just call him Donnie today. Uh, and Brianna, a Matthews Hope Detox success story. Hello. Hello. And so you were talking before the break about your experience at the detox and, mm-hmm. and all the different elements there mm-hmm. and that you stayed sober through your dad's passing and you decided right. to stay there and see it through because dad would want you to be sober mm-hmm. and get a handle on this. So the day and time comes that you're leaving detox. You scared? Were you scared? Yes. <laughs> I would have been too. Yeah, because I mean, it's very easy to not drink or not do drugs when you're in a controlled setting like that, but yep. the, it's... It's a lot more challenging and whenever, you know, you're faced with the day to day stuff and you have access to drugs or mm-hmm. alcohol. Right. I mean I mean just mm. stop by a specs on the way home. And I would <laughs> say that would be one of my major complaints about the drug addiction treatment industry is you'll have mm-hmm. the frequent flyer people that mm-hmm. might have really good insurance. So they just go to, to residential after residential as after residential because they can stay sober mm-hmm. in treatment, but they have no way to practically apply any tools mm-hmm. for sobriety in their real life. Right, and, and so you are getting kicked out of the nest, little birdie. Uh huh. You know what I was just thinking about too is huh. that right now, post COVID, we have a supply issue. Yeah. But drug dealers don't. Maybe we put drug dealers in charge <laughs> of all of the supply of goods uh, in this country. Are they not already? Well, they're in charge of the drugs. We need to put them in charge of everything. Yeah, because we couldn't even get that jacket we were looking for earlier. <laughs> I know. The supply chain's I messed know. up. Because <laughs> people still get drugs and alcohol. It's right, still no very problem. Much, yep. And uh, so you go home. That was your plan, uh-huh. to go home. You did not go to sober living. You didn't. Did you do IOP? I did an IOP, mm-hmm. and you guys helped me get into that. Okay. Or the, you know, <clears throat> I had looked at a couple, but, you know, right. y'all did connect me with that. And then... And you completed it? I did. Good. I did complete it. And then you you got into the 12-step program? Yes. And starting off, um, 
from the first, you know, when I right first away. right away. Because I stressed that she was in my big book class. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is what's going to be required. And mm-hmm. she's one of those that like heard the truth. And well, she, she was ready. She's convinced. ready. Mm-hmm. You were ready to get done with that. Yeah. And I mean, it takes a lot of work. It takes daily work and it still does. And I, you know, I guess the way that I look at it is I wasted a whole lot of time drinking, yep. drugging and just wasted my time. So a little bit of time to be invested in this. Isn't it weird that when I'm thinking about getting sober Mm -hmm. and I begin to get sober, I have this idea that now I'm going to have a ton of spare time on my hands. (laughs) I'm going to have so much time. I'm literally just going to be napping after I take a nap. Right. (laughs) Well, I do that. You, well, you you do have that ability. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's a drug addict. (laughs) Sober one. Um, once you get into sobriety, once mm-hmm. you're into that fellowship and you're doing the things that we do, mm-hmm. I don't have time. Yeah. Like mm. we are busy people. Our Very lives are busy. full and busy and we mm-hmm. have, you know, way more time for our families now. Mm-hmm. And but I want to flip the coin and, and show that Brianna was able to prioritize that she needed to work a 12 step program mm-hmm. of recovery. Otherwise, she wasn't going to be showing up as a good mom and all of that. And so because right. a lot of people make excuses of why they can't go oh, do the program. Oh, my gosh. Well, they have we Zoom now and I did Zoom. Yeah. You know, they have it every time of the day. Every time. Yep. 24 so seven. Mm-hmm. every corner of the country you can mm-hmm. join a 12-step meeting mm-hmm. what i find is that i don't care if you have children or a crazy job or all of the above mm-hmm. if you want to be involved you will you will mm-hmm. people will make the time that realize yeah. that it's a priority and you did mm-hmm. so you got a sponsor you start working steps mm-hmm. how quickly did you work the steps what was that whole experience like for you it was it was fairly quickly you yep. know i would say i'm a couple month or couple months mm-hmm. i know some, oh, that's great that's great couple, i love hearing that couple, couple months me. some people do a year you know how'd you or, meet your sponsor on zoom I, it was she just reached out to me through mutual people oh, we knew. perfect mm-hmm. okay oh, so god cool. orchestrated that i just yeah. got goosebumps so and then you know she was <laughs> i guess she was somebody that i talked to uh while i was drunk yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so i felt comfortable with her yeah. so i uh asked her to be my sponsor wow. oh know? how great that's why how cool. <laughs> no that comfort is a great thing i mean that way you're able just to be real and be yeah. open be and honest, honest. Yeah. yeah right right because you do have to share a lot with you know somebody else but also with yourself and it's mm-hmm. important how, to what did you think about that process about getting honest did you find it was uh hard to be completely honest with yourself and I another do. person i find it completely hard still <laughs> It, it is. It is hard. Um, I think you know you have to be realistic about it. You yeah. know, because there's a difference between pointing every, you know, going through all your faults than and being, you know, realistic and honest. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. so. I, I take the the constructive feedback mm-hmm. from who? Uh, who do well, you do? No, that no, no, what I'm saying, oh. I, what I'm saying is when I'm supposed to take the constructive feedback, I that's when I get defensive. That's yeah. what was really yeah. hard for me, me too. was to hear how defective I was or where I was making mistakes or what mm-hmm. I should do differently. And I always wanted to argue. Well, yeah. that's, prior to the steps, it was always easier just to point the finger at everybody, everybody else. else. Uh-huh. And when you go through the step work you have to really start taking a look at you you do but it is comforting from what i've found that most things that any of us have been through there's somebody else that has been through it too isn't that great Mm -hmm. and let me ask you this did you have similar okay so you probably had some things that you didn't really want to just go tell anybody right sure did your sponsor have some similar Yes. Isn't so, that crazy? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to sit, when I sat down with my 
sponsor. It's somebody that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But isn't it weird that when we sat down and I started sharing some really personal things that I was ashamed of, he's mm-hmm. like, cool. Oh, me too. Yeah, I got it too. I did it too. And it's like, yeah. oh, and you don't feel so unique or right. so... Right. Because the right. more fifth steps you hear, the more you sponsor, you hear everything. And you realize that all of the stuff that we think is just this incredible dark secret we got to like never tell anybody. Like, mm-hmm. it's actually way more common than you think. We're all like uniquely flawed, I guess. Yeah. And I guess it's also, you know, uh, you know, for me, I, d- I don't have to tell everybody everything. No. You just have to just tell God and another person. Yeah, so you don't, have to, you don't have to air every all your dirty you don't gotta make a billboard on <laughs> yeah. i-10 no really no and and i love that you said that because there are those people that i believe um if share i'm too much yeah, yeah if i'm in a mixed audience mm-hmm. i really shouldn't be sharing certain things i that, did that mistakenly early in my sobriety where i, I was too much of an open book yeah. mm-hmm. and i would be in a co-ed meeting and i would share too honestly about sex conduct or something and it was just really um not helpful to me or the other people. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's another form of pride. It's yeah. another form of look at me. I'm look unique. How, wild how I messed was. up yeah. I am, or how you know. And my old sponsor, she really laced into me outside that clubhouse after and helped me see. And I was mad at her at the time. I didn't believe her mm-hmm. at the time, but later I realized that was my pride and ego trying to showboat. Right. Yeah. And and so it was defective in me that I was doing it. That's funny. So you get through the steps, mm-hmm. and do you feel like you had? gained a connection to a higher power as a result of it yes i think it's very progressive like yeah. i know some mm-hmm. people talk about this whole light coming beam the and burning bush moment explosion most thing, of those people not... are full of it yeah <laughs> most, most of, of the educational variety yeah. where it's over yeah. time the spiritual sense develops i mean i right. probably shouldn't make an accusation like that but i'm gonna i, I just yeah. have found that there's so many people that talk about that relationship mm-hmm. but i Mine is a lot like yours. Mm-hmm. It, it had to be something that I had to be progressive. It's mm-hmm. something that just kept, and to this day, at almost nine years over, it's still growing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I think also you don't just get one throughout your lifetime. This Mm-mm. whole spiritual journey is maybe the beginning of it was educational over time. Yeah. Maybe you have a burning bush instant experience with God later. Maybe it's back to another educational. I, I yeah. had a dramatic experience with God when I was th- about three months sober. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of my spiritual walk has been the educational yeah. variety, m- mm-hmm. more being revealed over time. Mine's been all educational. I've had a few experiences where like God really showed up and there's just no doubt mm-hmm. like what was going on. But mine's been mostly educational. Yeah. Mine's been progressive and it, you know, and I think at first you're just trying not to drink and it's all about just not drinking, mm-hmm. but eventually sobriety's more than just not drinking yep. or drugging. It's about growing, living, living right, right. Yeah. and being helpful to other people. So, and so, so how's your life today? What is your life like today? It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, you know, crazy, right. you know, has happened, but everything's peaceful right? and everything's productive. Um, you're employable. You're make, a mother. I make, <laughs> make use of my time. And, um, it's just I'm able to handle things better. Right. Well, I love hearing that. I love sharing that with our audience. Yeah, I'm thanks super for being great. on. Yeah, thank you for being on. I'm really grateful for you, for your life, yeah, for your sobriety. You and this, fun. this opportunity to walk shoulder to shoulder together with, with us in this walk. For sure. Right. Well, thank you guys for listening. This is Relevant Recovery Radio. If you're curious about Matthew's Hope Detox, the number is 844-263-4673. Thank you.